This is one-on-one's NHL podcast, where we take on the five hottest issues in hockey with three of our NHL beat reporters. It's time to go five on three. Welcome back to Five on Three alongside Mike Messina. I'm Chris Hennessy. Hello, Mike. Hello, Chris. How are you doing today? Good, uh, good, good. We took a week off there, but we are back to talk about a lot of things that happened in the NHL, including one of its best rivalries getting back to a lot of fighting and a lot of good stuff, and we could be in for eight straight games of Oilers-Flames come April, which would be a lot of fun. We will get to that. We will get to a log jam in the Eastern Conference, but let's start with your New York Rangers. They take a home-and-home with the Detroit Red Wings. We've talked about the Red Wings, that they're not very good. But the goaltending play will continue to be the story until February 24th trade deadline when maybe one of them gets shipped away. They beat the Red Wings 4-2, and Shostar can face 25 shots. So I think that was a pretty good performance by him. And then the next day, Lundqvist also had 33 saves and won that game. He had a shutout. Yeah, he had yeah, a shutout. One nothing, 33 saves, didn't let up a single goal. So I think the goaltending matchup, and then, I'm sorry, the Lundqvist also played last night when they lost 5-3. He so got pulled too, didn't got, he? Yeah, got, got pulled early in the game. So I didn't think that was going to be a game where David Quinn was going to play Lundqvist because he just played the game before. I thought they were going to go either back to Shesterkin or to Georgiev, but it looks like they went with Lundqvist, and now Shesterkin's going to be in net tomorrow to finish off the week. Yeah. Or I mean, in the middle of the week, I should say. They... They have, they're going to have trouble juggling these three goalies. I think there's no question about that. Um, but you would think they'd want to give Georgiev work if we if they're going to shop him in three weeks, which we all kind of agree that they're going to. Because they kind of have to now. It's what, it's what makes sense. I mean, maybe, maybe they're not. Maybe they're not going to shop him. Maybe it's going to be they're going to run three goalies or they're going to put Igor back in Hartford, which would make no sense. I don't think that's even uh, It wouldn't make any sense. I, I agree with you, but... So, I can't see a situation where on February 25th, the day after the trade deadline, we're sitting here and there's still three Ranger goalies. And playing Lundqvist those two games in a row doesn't make too much sense because he, in all likelihood, is not going to be the one who's been who's going to be traded because he is paid a hefty amount and Georgiev is younger, better, and cheaper. And I'm seeing a lot of reports saying it's a possibility he waives his no-trade clause. Yeah, so, I mean, look, I've heard that too, that he could get traded to Colorado, but... Moving in the end of the day, if I'm whether it's Colorado, Nashville, Toronto, whoever it is, I don't want to take that on. I'd rather give up the more prospects and go and get Georgiev. But it, I, I don't know, man. See, like I, I want Lundqvist to be a Ranger for life, but I think he's going to be willing to waive that, go to a contender within the last couple of years of his career that he has left, and he, he wants to win. I, I don't know. Oh, I, I'm on, not doubting that he wants to win. That, that's not what I'm saying on. at all, but I think you're in a situation – if you're Lundqvist, where you have to understand the who you are at this point. Henrik Lundqvist today is not the Henrik Lundqvist who won the Vesna and whatever year Absolutely that was. Not. He's still good. He's still a goalie who's... What was it, the sec- second team all decade? All decade second team, team all yeah, decade, behind, yes. um, Flurry. Mark, yeah, Mark Andre Flurry. Um, but I don't, I don't see him getting as much traction as ring, the Rangers and Ranger fans seem to think he's going to get. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree, but like David Quinn said in a press conference today that the probable uh, goalie for not the next game but the game after is Georgiev, and I think Georgiev needs to start playing not maybe maybe not every other game but every two games. Yeah. Give Lundqvist a little break maybe, get your Sturkin in there because they're not sending him down. If they do, I think it's pretty dumb. I would agree. Because he's going to be the face of the franchise, I believe at least. So uh, I, I think getting Georgiev playing time is the most crucial thing for the Rangers 
going up until that trade deadline. Hundred percent. We'll see if they do that. Um, coming up, they play the Maple Leafs at home tomorrow, which is going to be a big game because Freddie Anderson is hurt. He's day to day with a neck injury uh, that he sustained last night. So lots of different goaltending questions there. That game tomorrow at the Garden, and the first line of this Ranger team continues to excite and be downright fantastic as you unzip your sweater to a Rangers jersey underneath. That was that was not perfect. That. <laughs> it's so hot in this room. Um, Panarin was 71 points, and you got all these other guys where, you know, Strom, Kreider, Kreider missed Kreider, the game. Kreider's still hurt from yeah. the, the blow to the head on Saturday against the Red Wings. Missed, missed the game uh, against Dallas. Will these guys be traded is a question that we're going to keep asking. But for now, I think that the production you're seeing out of them is starting to teeter off a little bit outside of Panarin. Absolutely. And from what I'm hearing, 14 to 15 teams is the number I saw have reached out about and inquired about Chris Kreider. So I don't know what the Rangers... Because it's the obvious one. Yeah, absolutely. But I don't know what I don't know what they're looking for. I don't know what David Quinn wants. I'm not I'm not really too sure. But yes, like I like I think I've said every podcast. I think he is gone. But yes, I also do think the that first line is contributing a lot more. It's really not just Panarin. David David Quinn was saying that it's either going to be Kako or Buchnevich to take the role of right wing forward, the first line. When Kreider is inevitably. Yeah. Well, while he's hurt, and then when he's traded. He's still he's still day to day in a game time decision every game, so it's. So it's going to be the last minute moves. That, that's going to be interesting because you don't ready. want to he, trade for an he injured He says he's guy. ready. So. He's ready? All right. Well, then he'll play. But I think you look at a team who had a little – had these were the expectations for the season, but I don't know. 20 goals for Zibanejad, 20 goals for Panarin, but you got guys – Kreider doesn't have 20, Strom doesn't – it just feels like there could be more offense, especially on one – they beat – the Red Wings won nothing, and it's not like Jim, Jimmy Howard was good, but he wasn't like the best goalie of all time. I didn't think. I I just feel like there could be a little bit more offense here. Yeah, no, no, I agree with that. Like the younger guys are, need to start stepping up. I, I thought Kako was going to be showing more offense. Seventeen this, points this time a minus nineteen. Yeah, I, I thought he was going to be producing a little bit more than he is right now. But I feel like that's just his young age coming in. I think he's going to progress as the season goes forward, like past the trade deadline, because that's when the teams are complete yeah. and going further within. Oh yeah, I'm not saying that he's a bust, but yeah, there are, no. there are a lot of guys on this team who I think you could he expect proje- a little bit more. He out. was projected to be doing better than exactly, what and he so is was right Jack now. Hughes. For, Absolutely. To, to be fair, so was Jack Hughes. So we're not gonna not gonna crush Kako, but certainly uh, an interesting couple of days coming up for the Rangers. All right, let's move on to the Islanders. They come off the bye week. They play one game. They lose a heartbreaker to Vancouver in overtime. They're down three to one. They give up. They score two goals in the third period, including one with 30 seconds left, and lose in overtime. That kind of stunk, but it's okay. Did, got a point. Grice had 24 sh- shots on him. How does he let up four goals? Yeah, he was not good. Did he, he get not. pulled? No. I didn't get to catch the game. He no. did not get pulled. He did not get pulled. Uh, and there was one goal that slipped right through his legs. He should have had it, and the overtime goal wasn't a great shot by Quinn Hughes, but, I mean, it wasn't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have been able to save it, but it feels like Thomas Just caught Grice him off guard or sleeping? Yeah, something like that, but it's okay. Got a point out of that. They played Dallas tonight, and tonight is a big day because it is Kiefer Bellows' first game in the NHL, the fir- former first-round draft pick. His father was an NHL player with the North Stars. Uh, he was on the U.S. World Junior team a few years back, if you remember that. And he's been with Bridgeport scoring his tail off this season, like scoring more than he ever has in his career so far in Bridgeport over the last couple of years. So he comes up 
And I think that this is, I mean, I've been calling for them to do this for a couple of weeks now because you need to see what you have in the system before you go out and make a trade at the deadline. Where do you see him fitting in? Who do you see him, what line do you think he's going to be playing with? I know it's probably third or fourth liner, but do you think he's going to be able to have good chemistry with any of those people? That's an interesting question because I happen to disagree with Barry Trotz on this one. With calling him up? No, 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 not with calling him up. With with where he's putting them currently. So the reports out of yesterday's practice were were that he was replacing Tom Kunockel on the third line uh, on a, one of the wings with Derek Broussard and Michael Dalcall. You disagree with that? I do because they've put other people in that spot, whether it was um, Oliver Wallstrom or Cole Bardrow, and it just hasn't clicked. If you're going to bring this guy up, if you're going to say this is a guy who we're going to take through the the playoff run or this is a guy we're going to trade away, which is also possible. It's possible they're bringing him up to show off his NHL talent for other teams. That That is 100% a possibility right now. I think you need to put him with Brock and Beauvillier on the second line. I, I just, to me, it doesn't really make any sense to give him eight minutes of ice time on a third line that isn't that great. If we're going to be perfectly honest, and, who, if, and if that line's not working with possibly someone else, maybe just give to start him off in the NHL, move him to a different line, give him the chances to work with other people who may, who he may be working with better. Exactly, and give him a chance to play with guys who you know. No offense to Michael Dalcole, but is an NHL player. So like, I to me it makes more sense to put him in Josh Bailey's spot for now. And that also legitimizes the third line more because now you have Josh Bailey on the third line working with Broussard and Del Cole, which would be better than a guy who's never played in the NHL working there. Exactly. So I think that makes the top three lines more, more, more solid than they are right now. And the fourth line is still up in arms because Clutterbuck's still hurt and Martin's not playing playing great and Sezikis has been on, off and on the IR. And, and that's been some questions, but he's not going there. Barry Trotz hasn't said, like, that's where he's actually going to be yet, or that's just speculation? That was where he was in practice yesterday. Okay. So, so pretty, pretty sure. Much, yeah. Pretty sure. Because you probably wouldn't put him with a player that he hadn't practiced with. Exactly. So that's where he's going to be playing. So that's where he's going to be playing tomorrow. Now they have a game on Thursday against the Kings and on Saturday against the Lightning. So there are games before Je- February 24th where he could play with Brock and Bill Villiers. This obviously isn't permanent. However... To me, it makes a little bit more sense to play him with on that side, on that way. No, I completely agree with that. Get get him the playing time with more veteran style players who can teach him maybe some more things than Del Cole can. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, I mean, not that he more, can't, not that he can't teach him anything or give him great advice on the ice, but more than veteran type players, it's to me guys who can help him give him more opportunity to score. Get, more get than veteran type, like learning from players. Exactly. Well, that's part of it too. But it's more that he that Kiefer Bellows would then play with guys who give him more opportunity to score and, and all that. And what they're bringing him up for, Barry Trotz quite literally said it was he could put the puck in the back of the net, and he has. So uh, you need to put him on a line that can get him the puck in <laughs> right. every situation possible. Yeah, exactly. That would be true. So he was the first overall, not the first overall, first round pick in 2016. 21 years old, he's from Minnesota, went to Boston University, played on the U.S. Uh, World Juniors team a few years back and was really good for them. He's been really good in Bridgeport so far this year, and he looks to help the Islanders' offensive struggles is a short, uh, a weak way to put it, honestly, uh, over the past few weeks. They played Dallas tonight. 
Uh, they play L.A. on Thursday and Tampa on Saturday. I also don't like how they've only played one game since the All-Star break. Uh, and right. that, well, who's making these schedules? It's also, well, no, they had the bye week. Yes. And then Saturday was the game. And then Sunday, Monday was one of their three remaining two-day breaks of the entire year, I believe, which is kind of wild um, that they only have two two-day breaks left of the entire season. Um, okay, let's move on. In the East, well, not really moving on because we're sticking in the Eastern Conference. We're sticking in the playoff race, which the Islanders are in, because it is logjam might be weak, Mike, to describe what's going on in the Eastern Conference right now. You have it is a traffic jam. The Islanders are currently right in eighth place, and I'm going to put some heavy quotation marks around eighth place because they have three games in hand. Over, they have games at hand over every single team above them. So they are in eighth place right now. However, they if they win some games here, they won't be. But they have 64 points. The first place team in the entire Eastern Conference is Washington. They have 75 points. That's five and a half games with 30 to play. So that isn't... Now, look, the Islanders aren't going to win the Eastern Conference. That's not what I'm saying. But, I mean, it's not mathematically impossible. I mean, they can also easily make it to and the top they, three. Easily. Sure, absolutely. Easy. I mean, if they literally if they win tonight, they're in the top yeah. three. And you have teams playing great. Washington, Pittsburgh, those teams just don't lose. Pittsburgh and uh, Boston. And I think Washington's the best team in the league, so. Probably. And they Sam Sonov has been fantastic in goal for them when Holtby has been a question. Um, Boston's been very good, obviously. Florida's had a good season. Columbus loses their two best players, and it feels like they can't lose a game. Uh, they're 8-1-1 in their last 10, Columbus. That's crazy. Um, and... I just don't I don't I can't tell you which eight teams are gonna make the playoffs right now. In the West, it's somewhat similar only in the Pacific Division, though. You have five teams for five spots though, that's the thing. The and top, it's, top, it's just top. what sit what kind of order they're gonna be in between Vancouver, Edmonton, Vegas, Calgary, and Arizona. And they're all within three or four points of each other anyway, so it's right. just it's, like neck neck. Exactly. And the thing with the Eastern Conference is that there's ten teams for these eight spots. And as of right now, Carolina and Toronto who, when we sat back here in September, were in mortal locks to make the playoffs around the outside looking in, but they're both tied with, or they were both one point behind the Islanders. So there are every single game from here on out is just absolutely gigantic for all like six of the. I would, I would say there's one, two, three, four, five, six teams. Even the Rangers have okay, They're only. They're, they're ten. They're five the, games out the, of the. The one. Islanders have sixty four points. Rangers have have fifty four. They're they're five games out. Yeah. They're still they're still very, alive. I think they're very much alive, but I don't think they're going to get there. Obviously, but they're on they're, they're on their alive. last leg. They're alive. They're on their last leg. Um, but you have five teams, six teams, who legitimately right now could make the playoffs with home ice advantage, or miss the playoffs entirely. Toronto, Carolina, Islanders, Philadelphia, Columbus, and Florida. All three of the, all six of those teams could host a playoff series. It's unlikely because Columbus is three games behind Pittsburgh. They could all host a playoff series, or they could all be at home during the playoffs, which is it, it's crazy because I think that the slow starts from Tampa and Toronto kind of made this happen a little bit. Yeah, I mean that that's that sti- they that, didn't get going. That stinks for them. They could be one two. Every season, like at least for the last couple of seasons, they're phenomenal. Just they got off to a super slow start, and that's kind of causing the traffic that's going on in the East right now. Yeah, and the goal, the uh, coaching change for Toronto has obviously been key, and Tampa Bay just 
I don't even know what had changed, really. There wasn't, kinda... there wasn't any coaches' changes in the last couple of weeks, has there been? <laughs> yeah, right. There hasn't been one of the couple weeks there. We got lucky. Um, they, they've just kind of picked up their game. Florida has been fantastic. Philadelphia has been very good under AV. The Islanders are 4-3-3 three, and three in their last 10 games. Who do you so, think is going to get the final two, well, the only two wildcard spots? Do you think it's going to be the Islanders, like, get, get in as a wild card, or do you think they're going to... So, if you're going to, let's see. I'll go Washington 1, Pittsburgh 2, Islanders 3, Boston 1, Tampa 2, Toronto 3. See, it's hard to leave these teams out. See, I agree. It's, it's, it's legitimately difficult to pick two of the following four teams to leave out, Florida, Philadelphia, Carolina, Toronto. I'll go Toronto and Philadelphia just because I'm picking two random teams. But Toronto and Philadelphia as the wild card? Yeah. I, I have no idea. Yeah. I would, oh wait, I, No, I picked Toronto to make yeah, the Atlantic, so yeah. hold on. So Philly, which I, I think it's Philly, also Philly. and Columbus. I'll say Philly and Columbus. See, I think it's Phillies and Islanders. I think Columbus is going to stay as three. I think they're going to start playing really well. They're playing the fantastic. I'm not denying that they are, but I, I think that the three games in hand the Islanders have are huge, and if they could mm-hmm. win those three games and they're you know five points ahead of Columbus, which who knows if they can make that up or not. But it it's a... It's a complete logjam that makes every, I mean, I know I've said it 17 times now. Every single game is so important. Oh, yeah. And for every, for as, literally every team. Especially every single game against these teams. You know, the Islanders play Tampa Bay in a couple of days. They played those three games in eight days against the Rangers. They'll play Carolina twice in two weeks, I think, both at home in March. I think that's right. Um, I, and I'm just thinking from the Islanders' perspective. And all of these teams are going to have those games. And... They are, I mean, we're getting playoff games in February. As a fan of one of the teams, I don't like it. Yeah. But as a fan of the of the sport in general, this is awesome. And injuries are killing a lot of these teams, too. Like, it's true. There'll, there'll be day-to-day, game-time decision, several games and days in a row, which is killing because if they're not there, that's a yeah, that's big a, two points that they're not getting if they happen to lose the game. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. So, like, let's take the Islanders, for example, as we have been doing. Next week, at Washington on Monday versus Philly on Tuesday, back-to-back. That's huge. You got a game against the Rangers at the end of the month. You got I thought, and the Islanders have a good goaltending situation right now, so I'm sure they'll be able to overcome those two games. But. Hopefully. Yeah, there's one against Carolina at home on March 7th. Then they go out west at Pittsburgh. They have a game New Jersey. Then the Carolina on the 22nd. Yeah, so they have them two times in three weeks, both at home. They got a game against Philly. They got a game against Columbus. So they have games against these teams left that are four point games. But they're in February, and they're in February and March, and you'll have games in April. So there are so many games that are depending playoff standing. I just don't feel like we get this a lot with ten teams going for eight spots. I actually can't remember the last time that it's really well since I've been a fan of hockey that it's been like this where it's so close in every atlin in every category for the top ten teams. You know what I mean? Have you have there you seen it since you've been a fan? One year now. Of course, it's going to be the Islanders. But there was the year that the Nashville Predators went to the Cup. The Islanders missed the playoffs by like a point. And I'm sure that there are a thousand examples of that. I think that that happened to somebody in the Eastern Conference last year. And I can't, Montreal. I think Montreal missed the playoffs by like two points last year. So there are teams that miss a game by a point. But for two teams to potentially miss this playoffs by one point is crazy. And that's not even mentioning on the flip. And I... I did mention it a couple minutes ago, but on the flip side, you have a Pacific Division with five teams who could all win the Pacific Division. 
Every single one of those teams is in a legitimate spot to win the Pacific Division right now. Now, if you had to make me pick one, I think I would pick Edmonton because they have the two best players and their goaltending has been very good this year and they're fired up now because of the Battle of Alberta, which we'll get into in a minute. But I could see Vancouver winning it. Vegas has a lot of talent. Calgary, if they can kind of get their act together a little bit, uh, can certainly win it. They have a a fantastic... I mean, they don't have the best player in the division because the best player in the world is in the division, but Johnny Gaudreau is one heck of a hockey player. And Arizona has has kind of fallen off a little bit since the beginning of the season, but they certainly have the talent to go out and win it. They're 2-5-3 and three in their last 10 games. That's not good, but they certainly have talent to go out and, and win some games here. And you have Chicago, who I know is in the Pacific Division, but they're going for a wild card spot who's coming up, and they're hot. They're 7-3 in their last 10 games. So there's a lot of teams on this Western Conference side who are going to be sorry missing the playoffs by just a point. The parity in this league right now is ridiculous. I remember year after year after year, all you hear about is Chicago the Blackhawks. They're like an they're underdog so, kind of like fun so team right good. now. Like they, they then they fell off and now it's picking back up and I'm really like enjoying a, it. They're like a fun like I'm, little kind of like underdog team right now. With I mean, because no one, no Robin one's used, playing goalies. So. No one's used to them being an underdog. An, an underdog, I guess, right? Yeah, but I mean, it, it's exciting to watch. Man. Patrick Kane has been remarkable again this season. Taze has had a little bit of a drop off, but he's still a, a good hockey player and their young guys are playing very well. Kirby Doc included, and. Robin Leonard's a great goalie, and that'll help you go very far in the league. Uh, Robin Leonard being a great goalie there. They've played really, really well at this, so far. In the last couple of days, they're 25-21-6, which doesn't sound great, but they're only three points out of the playoffs. So on both sides of this, I mean, I'm just... Uh, I got to include Winnipeg, too, because if I say 56 points is in it for Chicago, then it's in it for Winnipeg, too. 26-23-4, but they're 3-7 and seven in their last 10 games, so maybe not as much. See, but... I, I can't see Chicago or Winnipeg. Are you talking about... What are you talking about? That getting point? into the uh, oh, into eighth the... spot. Okay, okay. Not getting into the Colorado spot, no. I think that the three teams that are in the central spots are, right now are, yeah, are going to stay. St. Louis at one. De- I, I would say Colorado's yeah. going to jump Dallas, but Either that's way, picking that, and that choosing at that three. point. But that's 20 teams for 16 spots. It's it's going to be a good good rest of the season. I'll tell you that it's NFL esque when those yeah. when there's three teams at nine and six going for one spot. It, it it really is. All right, we mentioned it before. Let's head over to the Battle of Alberta. Uh, two games within four days between the Edmonton Oilers and the Calgary Flames. Uh, that's after the drama involving the first game, which was before the All Star break. Then Kachuk, Drysaitel, and McDavid play on the Pacific team, which wins the All Star game. And then they played two games in four days. First one's on Wednesday. I guess, it's, yeah, four days. Two games on, well, first game's on Wednesday. David Riddick ends the game in a shootout with a bat flip of his stick, which was kind of fun. Edmonton obviously take exception to that. Well, that's that's why it all traveled over to the next game, because no well, one let, I mean, no, there, yeah. there was a lot of bad blood already, and then that made it boil over. And so Calgary wins the game in a shootout. David Riddick's, uh, J- Jose Bautista's goalie stick. And then the Oilers come out flying on Saturday night. I mean, I turned this game on in the pregame. I blinked, and it was 2 nothing. McDavid had another two goals. I think, <laughs> I think they were two goals. End, end of the second period or something yeah, it like was, that. Yeah, in the second yeah. period. By the end of the second period, he had two goals. And the highlight of the game that is shown across Twitter and across SportsCenter and across everything you could every possibly platform. get through is a player comes in, pokes Camp Talbot, who's replaced David Riddick, in the Calgary goal, 
Uh, brawl ensues. Mike Smith skates up to the red line, which if you know a goalie, ask them, and they'll tell you that's goalie code for one to go. And Cam Talbot does, and they then there's a goalie fight, which brings David Riddick back into the game, who then gives up two more goals, including on a penalty shot. And I really thought the Edmonton player was going to flip his stick after that, which would have been hilarious. But well, the Edmonton bench was yelling at him not to. Talbot was fighting before he even went into center ice, wasn't he? Oh, yeah. He was He was very, very involved in the scrum, but he was just kind of like taking his glove and like putting it over somebody's face. Like his gloves are off. Then he sees Mike Smith and is like, all right, well, I got to go fight this goalie now. Once, once you see him standing right there at, at center ice, you saw him sprint over as fast <laughs> was, as he can go straight I mean, there. it was insane. Like the... Disappointing fight, though. I mean, disappointing fight. Any, anytime goalies are scrapping, I'm in. But I mean, I want to get into more of the future. So we all know what happened. But you got a game between these two teams the last day of the season in April, which, as of right now, would determine who gets home ice in a matchup between those two teams in a Pacific Division, in the Pacific Division bracket. If we get eight straight games of Flames Oilers in the playoffs, I think they might just end the playoffs right there. I think they'll just award the Stanley Cup to that team. <laughs> like this is it's gonna be I absolutely the, insane. I think Canada would burn down possibly. I mean, the entire province of Alberta will just cease to exist. It's gonna be insane. I'm ru- I'm beyond rooting for. Oh them. my god, dude, I'm it, sure everyone else in the world is saying the exact same thing. But my god, if that's what, if that's what we have in the first round, that's would gonna be, be fantastic. Fantastic. And you know what? If they don't play in the first round, there's a very good chance they play in the second round. Could, could Chuck and Cassian drop the gloves in, in that first game? <laughs> they did. So they did. That, that, they did. That, and that, then one of my favorite petty moves was the Oilers re-signing Cassian to a contract. I believe it was four years, just over three mil per, uh, like, hours before the second Calgary game. The one on Wednesday, they just re-signed him to a contract. And it was like, well, that was very calculated. That's the way you did that, wasn't it? Um, so that was kind of funny. But... I mean, I think so. I think I think that feud's over with completely. Oh, definitely uh, yeah. not. I I can assure you They're that that is it. not true. Um, I thought. I mean, we talked about it a little bit after the first game. Matthew Kachuk just getting under the skin like he does, and that's that's a guy who you love when he's on your team and you hate when he's not on your team. Um, and then after that game, I don't know if we talked about this. Leon Dreisaitl said afterwards, and I'm paraphrasing. If we're on the ice at the same time in the Pacific on the Pacific team at the All Star game, I'm just getting off the ice. And then not only did what, which by the way would have been fantastic if he did. I that. would have laughed hysterically. That, that would have been fantastic if he did that. He did not do that. What he did do was score a goal on an assist from Matthew Kachuk, which was kind of funny. Team bonding, I like it. <laughs> then, I like it. And they're going out, and their teammates are fighting each other. Goalies are fighting each other. It's crazy. It's the number one story in hockey as it should be, but unfortunately you have to wait two more months before they play again. But when we get it, it could be eight straight games, which would be, I mean, it would be out of this world. Does he, oh, it's, I'm rooting number one for the Islanders to make the playoffs, number two for that to happen. I can't, I know it's, it probably won't happen, but if say like they had an eight-game an eight series and like eight games in a row in the regular season, how many fights there would be left and right just over anything, uh, a bad trip or something. It would be absolutely wild, and I yes. want all of it. Now, yeah, yeah. The, the fear, not the fear. The real, the reality is that they tame it down. Oh, yeah, for sure. But. Game one would be crazy. Game one would be kind of wild. But then after that, it would slowly go down as they're trying to win the thing. Yeah, it, would, it wouldn't be as physical as 
these two games have been, but no. if it was, that would be insane. It would be. Um, but that's clearly not going to happen. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. So that is that is what we are rooting for, is the Battle of Alberta and the playoffs. Whether it's like Saturday night or not, it'll be great hockey because that's what those two teams are bringing right now. And, man, Edmonton is a fun team to watch. If you have any way to watch the Edmonton Oilers, do it because that 97 can play some puck. What do you expect when you have Connor <laughs> McDavid? I Just- mean, they are. Doing everything you possibly could ask him to do. He scored a goal in that game. The second goal he scored was something else. I, I don't know if there's anybody else in the league that can do what he does. He is he is truly something else. Um, so we are obviously missing Jack Caldwell today. We will be back eventually. We went to the CT Ice College Hockey Tournament uh, a couple weeks back. We had a great time. We have sound. We have stories. We have a bunch of stuff to get to once we get Jack Back in the fold a little bit. We will go over all of that in a very comprehensive segment. Uh, so we'll let you know when that is coming out. Um, speaking of CTI's Beanpot yesterday, I don't know if you watched it or not. I didn't I didn't get to watch it. I saw the highlights on ESPN, though. What a game. BUBC what was one of game. the best hockey games I've ever watched in my life. I, I'm not saying that because I love I do love college Did hockey. you catch the whole game? Most of it. I, I kind of like, it was 3-1, to one and I kind of zoned out for the third period. Then it was 3-2. to two. I was like, oh, okay. And then it's 4-3, four, 4-4. Four, four. Just what what a game um, that was! They so BU wins that one in overtime, five to four. Uh, so they will play Northeastern in the final. Um, for those who didn't see it, BC is up all game. They're winning three to one. BU comes back, takes the lead four to three in the third period. They were down three one with seven and a half minutes left, and then BC scores with thirty seconds left to send it to overtime. BU wins the game in overtime. So. Crazy, crazy game. A, qu- Nor- a quick seven minutes gone right there. Lost the game just like that. Oh, man. It was – I, I felt bad for the – the BC goalie's a freshman. Uh, it was a fantastic goalie um, and was a number, a number one pick of the Panthers, Spencer Knight. I felt bad for him, man. That's a tough way to lose one. That's a tough way to lose one. What a game, though, man. Uh, that was game. awesome. Uh, Northeastern beat Harvard, so they will play. So Northeastern going for a three-peat after not winning for like 30 years, which is kind of wild. Uh, they got some really – Really, really solid players on that side too. So that's on. That was yesterday. Was the semifinals. Monday will be the championship and consolation game for that. So CTS was a lot of fun. Bean pot on Monday will be a lot of fun as well. We will be back next week for Mike Messina. I'm Chris Hennessy. We'll see you then.